Here at Doxedo Hatfield, we are a family on mission. Make sure to get connected by joining us at one of our Sunday services. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We've started a brand new sermon series. We changed our whole plan for the start of 2021 because the world changed and everything changed. And we said, you know, instead of replant and everything we had in mind, we sense God leading us into the season called Real Christianity. What, is, what does it look like when real life and real faith and real people have to deal with the realities of where we are? And I think it's been such a blessing speaking and even hearing people just giving me feedback every week saying we, we're taking up the action items. We're taking it seriously and God is moving in our midst. And we said instead of focusing on in the season, being a young church wanting to plant in the city and it's this organizational thing, let's say let's be a young church that is actually moving for Jesus in the city. That's what you need. That's what I need. That's what our city needs at this moment. That's what the country needs. And so... Guys, I want to tell you that we have some news to share today. I titled today, you'll see tomorrow when it goes out, Real Christianity Suddenly Gets Real. <laughs> and I want to add for Doxedo Hatfield there at the end, because we didn't plan this, but we'll speak about the context of it as we were going forward. We're preaching through this book of Acts, and God is taking us on a journey that we didn't expect. So let me set the stage a bit. There's this beautiful, world-renowned uh, hiking route through a place called Bridger National Forest in Wyoming in the USA, and it's beautiful. People from all around the world come to hike through this, this pristine, you know, outdoor environment. But listen to some of the comments. I read this article about people sending in comments to the staff after they had come for this adventurous hike. Listen to some of the things people say. This person says, the trails need reconstruction. Too many rocks on the mountain. Please avoid building paths that go uphill, this person says. And next guy says, a McDonald's would be nice at the beginning of the trail. So we don't know, if you don't know these are Americans, now you know. So a McDonald's would be nice. This person says, too many bugs and leeches and spider webs. Please spray the wilderness to rid the areas of these pests. And there are many, but let me give you one last one. This person says an escalator would help on the uphill section so we can get to the wonderful views without having to hike them. Isn't that just ridiculous? I mean, these people signed up for a wild kind of outdoor wilderness experience, and yet they didn't. Because they're saying, I want the outdoors, I want wild, I want unpredictable but they're saying, I want it in a way that's comfortable and convenient. Isn't that true? And we sit here and we kind of sneer at that. These Americans, you know, with their McDonald's and, you know, spraying the outdoors. But guys, when I read this, I thought of the church. I thought, how often do we say, do I say, I'm speaking to myself here today. This is real Christianity. We need to be honest about it. How often do I say to God, God, I want adventure. I want to follow you. I want, you know, we spoke about Jesus freak a couple of weeks ago. I want to be a Jesus freak. I want to follow you with abandon. But I want to do it on my terms, please. I want to do it within what's comfortable for me on my time frames and my timetables. God, I want to follow you, but I want to do it in my way. And that's what's so stunning about this book of Acts, the sequel that the Dr. Luke, he wrote to his gospel according to Luke, the life of Jesus. He writes the sequel to that book, and it's the story, it's the wild story, the unpredictable story, sometimes the scary story of the early church. And what's great about it is we see the early church, what, in contemplation, in planning? No, we see it in action. When you read this book, you never get the idea 
that Christianity is an armchair exercise. You never get that. You know, they say soccer is a game where 22 people need serious rest and 22,000 need serious exercise. And that's often what the church is like. But when you read the book of Acts, you never get that idea. I mean, it's in the name, right? It's the book of what? The book of Acts. It's not the book of spectating. It's not the book of waiting. It's not the book of procrastinating or the book of Sunday services. It's the book of Acts, the people of God empowered by His Holy Spirit in action. And as we are facing some new things as a church, God is saying, Hatfield, I'm calling you to action. So the first two weeks of the sermon series, he spoke about Jesus commissioning his disciples. And then last week, you know, he tells them, I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Wait for that. I'm going to send you as witnesses to the ends of the earth. And then last week, we spoke about his ascension. He ascends to this higher space of authority. And then this happens. So read with me Acts verse 12 in chapter 1. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they arrived, they went to the room upstairs where they were staying. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. That's the other Judas. They were all continually united in prayer, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, And his brothers, so the family of Jesus. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was about 120 and said, Brothers and sisters, it was necessary that the scripture be fulfilled, that the Holy Spirit uh, through the mouth of David foretold about Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. So he's speaking about the fact that Judas, one of their close, close fellows. Over the last three years, they've been journeying closer than brothers, and he betrays them. Even to this day, I saw Netflix has this new uh, movie about the, the leader of the Black Panthers and the person close to him who basically betrayed him, and it's called Judas and the Black Messiah. Even to this day in the office, if you call Judas, that's not a good thing, by the way. So he says, this thing of Judas, it's in our side. It's like a thorn, But just to skip to verse 21, he speaks a whole bunch of things about what happened with Judas, but just for the sake of time, verse 21 says, Therefore, from among the men who have accompanied us during the whole time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, from among these, it's necessary that one become a witness with us of his resurrection. So in other words, let's replace Judas as one of the key disciples. So they proposed two, Joseph, also called, uh, called Barsabbas, and who is also known, that his other name is Justice, and the other option was Matthias. And then they prayed, you, Lord, know everyone's hearts, so show us which of these two you have chosen to take the place in the apostolic ministry that Judas left to go where he belongs. It's a bit of a jab at the end there. Immature, but it's, it's real Christianity, right? So they say they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was added to the 11 apostles. So up to there for today. Now, something as we're going to preach through this book, however long it takes, we'll take breaks in between. I think something that I want to tell us from the beginning is that the book of Acts, as a historical record written by this doctor, it's not prescriptive. It's descriptive. It's showing us a picture of what actually happened, 
But it's saying this is what church can be like. It's not saying this is what you have to do. So we can be inspired, but if you don't see a coffee shop in the book of Acts, it doesn't mean you're not allowed to have a coffee shop in the modern church. It's not how it works. We are drawing inspiration from real life here. And that's why this for where we are today is so amazing. Because here we have a moment before the church is even really the church. Next week and the week after as we dive into Pentecost, that's when the church explodes, basically. But here, in literally the most early stages of the church, here is a moment where the church has an option to quit. It's an unexpected thing. Judas, you cannot imagine. The closest of the close. You know, it's the ANC's NEC, one of the six, you know, stabbing the other in the back. You can't imagine it. It's the worst possible thing to happen with your organization. And they are, they're affected. Emotionally, they feel, they feel hurt. They feel pain. They've just gone through this crazy thing. Jesus, he's a rabbi. Then he's this crazy man. Then he's dead. Then he's alive. It's the world. We're going out. What's going on? They're going through all of that. And here's a moment where they can say, you know what? It's too much. Honestly. This roller coaster is too much. Let's just quit. But what does the church do in this moment? It resolves. You know what the word resolve means? It means a determined decision. The church makes a determined decision to not step back, but to step up, to step forward, to say, we are not going to sink back. We are going to follow Jesus. They made a stand. They made a decision. They resolved to say, this is not the end, it's the beginning. As the curveballs came, they said, let's go. And friends, we face a curveball today. And we want to share some of that news on the way forward. And the backdrop of this, I think, shows us some things we can take inspiration from, from the church today to say, we as Dr. Hatfield with the early church have to resolve today about a couple of things. We need to make a determined decision as a people today in this building, online, in your hearts, in your bed, if the rain was too much for you, that Jesus would resolve something in your heart. And the first thing is this. What do we see in the text? A church that resolves that determinedly decides to face the curveballs and not fear them. To face the curveballs that come and not fear them. Guys, here's the bottom line. The church will very often not go the way that we think it should go. Church life and the realities of church, both personally, you and I, we're going to pick up a scrap. Taiki and Maya in their marriage, they're going to pick up a scrap. We're going to get frustrated and tired and irritated. That's life, friends. The church is often a messy thing. It's not going to go the way. Often corporately, it's not going to go the way. We're saying, God, replant. Here are the plans. Here are the designs. And it doesn't happen that way. It often doesn't go the way we want. You know, we say in Dr. Dow, it's family on mission. Well, let me tell you something. Family is both messy and majestic. <laughs> Amen? All the guys in community groups, you know that. And guess what? Mission is both frustrating and fantastic. That's how the church works, and that's what we see here. So read with me, verse 16, underline this in your Bible. Peter says, it was what? Necessary that the Scriptures be fulfilled. The prophecies of the Old Testament pointing forward, it was necessary. It was foretold by the Holy Spirit, even through David, hundreds of years before, about Judas, so that he would be this guide to give over Jesus, to give him up. That's a crazy thought. Do you hear what is happening? The early church is doing something you're going to see all over the Bible and for the rest of this book. 
they accept two facts, and it's not death and taxes. They accept these two things, that number one, life is broken. And very often things will happen in an evil and a fallen world, and that's true. But they accept a second thing in the same sentence. They say, and God is still sovereignly in control. And you can write many philosophical books about how you bring those two things, theological tomes. How do you bring these two things together? The brokenness of the world, the evil, the fallenness of the world, and the fact that God is still sovereignly good and in control over all of it. How do you do that? The church says, we don't care. We don't care about the mechanics of how it works, but we live as if it's true. Why? Because they had just seen the most evil thing in the history of the world. The Son of God murdered on a piece of wood. And at the very same time, they saw through that the most gracious thing to ever happen on the face of the earth. God the Father stepping into the mess of our lives. Every single time. The church, the early church, faced a moment of crisis or uncertainty. They would come back to this truth. This is what the Old Testament, so many moments like this. This is Joseph saying in Genesis 50 verse 20, You planned evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about this present result. And guys, can I say, to grow that kind of maturity as individuals and as a church where we say, Man, the curveballs keep coming. But God, we know that you are in control, and we know that you are good, and we know that we can trust you. That is difficult. I will be the first one to say, many moments last year, I did not feel like this, but this is the truth. This is the only way you keep fighting the good fight as the church, is when you say, yes, the curveballs keep coming, but we're not going to fear them. We're going to face them, because God is still sovereignly good. So, I don't know if you know this. But we've had some curveballs over the last couple of months. Do you know that? So let me jog your memory. Coming up on two years ago, February 2019, here at OM, just across the road, we start this weekly service church. We're excited. We're going to change the world. Part of the Doxedo family. We can't wait. It's going to be awesome. And then we kind of outgrow that venue. And beautiful. We find people giving us this venue that you're sitting in today. They say you can have it for a year for free. Just as we're needing the space, God provides miraculously for us. It's incredible. But then we have the lockdown and we have things happening and the curveballs keep coming. Guys, we have now been online for more than a third of our lifetime as a church. Do you know that? It's not the ideal way to plant a church, but a curveball once again came at the beginning of this year. So to cut it short, on Friday, we basically heard, last Friday, that the people that we've been renting from in the space, through a long sequence of events, having to have wisdom on their side, they have now, after being here for 10 years in this venue, they have decided to let go of this venue at the end of February. So that's four weeks from where that call came last Friday. And we were shocked. It's like, what? Because they're going to strip this place bare. It's going to be just an empty shell by the end of Feb. And we said, okay, well, luckily there's no church on, you know, on site at the moment. We've got some time. It's online. And then the president blesses us, and he says on Monday, no, actually, you can be in church, guys. And we're like, yay. That's great. 
And then a day later, they let us know, actually, for us to get our plans done, we need to clear out this building on Friday. That's two days ago. So our four-week plan becomes a seven-day plan. And we tell them, please, give us one Sunday. Give us just one Sunday. Tomorrow morning, Monday, you can come and clear it out. We need one week (laughs) to make a statement with our people here. And they say, cool, it's good. So the reality is, guys, for those lucky few in the building today, this is our last service ever in this building, as Dr. Hadfield. Hatfield. <laughs> yeah. Cue the ah. Unless you saw one or two cockroaches coming in, then you're like, yes. <laughs> but that's the truth, guys. And like the early church, we sit with a curveball. And like the early church saying, we're going to replace Judas, we are going to make a plan. We're going to step forward. We're not going to fear this. We're going to face this. Because that's what the church does. Guys, I was part of a church in Bloemfontein that eventually merged with Doxedale Bloom that had a thousand-seater building literally collapse overnight. One of the most horrific things I've ever seen, seeing your future, your life, your everything, your passion, your money, everything you've invested, gone overnight. But because of that, one of the most beautiful stories in recent memory in, in Bloemfontein, in the church world, it happened because of that, literally. So guys, I'm saying to you, not that I know what's supposed to happen next, but I'm telling you, we are going to resolve to not fear this, but to face this. This is the calling of the church. We didn't say yes for comfort. We never said yes for convenience. We said, yes, Jesus, wild Christianity, real Christianity. Now we have it once again. Amen? We're not in this for the comforts, guys. And can I just tell you, in the church kind of world and in Doxedale, there's kind of a standard way of planting a church. You have like a three-year cycle with some, with some key things you need to reach. You've got three years to get onto your feet. Guys, nothing has happened the way it's supposed to happen in the last 24 months. And I told our core group this week, let's just say it. Let's let go of this dream of the perfectly manicured church plant. Let go of it. Let's get to real Christianity. This is our story because it's God's story. And we've resolved that we are going to face these curveballs and not fear them. But secondly, what I see the church doing is it's a church that resolves to what? To build on the critical and not the comfortable. The critical and not the comfortable. It says in verse 14, I love this. In a moment of uncertainty, in a moment of of being wounded, in a moment of feeling we're on the back foot as this young church. That's where they are. What does it say in verse 14? They were all continually united in prayer. What is it saying? It says the early church said we are going to build on what's critical. We're going to build on the people of God and the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And that's how we are going to move forward. One of our core members this week just said, listen, the first time they were ever here for a service was last year as we were building up to our launch in February. And we spoke about moving in a couple of dimensions, and one of them was to move in your comfort. And we spoke about God leading the Israelites with the pillar of fire and the cloud. And that text says whether it was a month or a day or a week, when God moved, you had to get your stuff and you had to move with Him. We are not going to build on what's comfortable. Is a building comfortable? Yes. Is it convenient? Oh, yes. Is it critical? No. What's critical to us being a church? So here's the plan. What are we going to do? I'm guessing that's what you're wondering. You're like, skip the theology, Joe. What's the plan? So here's the plan. 
We said, okay, so we need a temporary space. We don't want to make a stupid decision in seven days and commit all of our, our, you know, our generous giving and the family's generous giving to us as a young campus and just sign it up into something for the next year. We need to be wise. So Mo has been doing heroic work on the phone with every basically place in Pretoria at the moment saying, listen, what are the options? You know, he's, I think you can really negotiate a good house price for you if you're selling at the moment by this time. So we've got many options on the table, but we're not going to make an unwise decision quickly. So we said twofold, let's get a temporary space just for the next couple of weeks, and then we will make a quality decision. It's still 2021, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. So make a wise decision. And so a couple of the temporary options, it came down to this one, which is the best for us at this point, is that our family members, Doxedale, Brooklyn, just down the road in Anderson Street, they said, listen, our fusion building, their youth hall is open on Sunday mornings. And so we are going to go there for the next couple of weeks. All right? So it's a beautiful space, so beautifully kitted out. And this is the beautiful thing about family, guys. I don't know if you know this. We are part of a family of churches, almost 30 churches around the globe gathering together. And this is the family saying, we committed to you. And we said, we are committed to you. And so this is them embracing us and saying, listen, we said yes for family and we said yes for mission. And this is a curveball, yes. But this is not the thing that's going to determine what God wants to do in this city. So we will make sure, yes, thank you, Mo. He's paid to say that. Um, But we're going to make sure that everyone knows by next Sunday where that is, if you don't know where it is, and we're going to move in there for a couple of weeks until we find a space that we're going to be in. Because guess what, guys? We are not going to build on the comfortable. Nice chairs are nice, but they're not critical. A nice building, a temporary or a permanent building is nice, but it's not critical. What are we going to build on? We are going to build on the pillars that make Hatfield what it is by the grace of God. And number one, that is community groups. So guys, I want to tell you today, if you are not yet in one, and I'm guessing I'm preaching to the choir as I kind of look around here, but if you're not yet in one, then you have to be in one now. I'm done asking nicely. I'm telling you now, all right? As a pastor, you can do that once a year. I'm telling you, get in a community group. We're going to build on our community groups, but secondly, we are going to build on gathering together as the church on Sundays. And whether that's in a temporary space or whether it's online, we are going to face the next 24 months of 2020-something, we said at the beginning of the year. We're going to face it together. So yes, we will continue with our online ministry while we get together next Sunday in our temporary space at Brooklyn. We are going to build on the fact that when the people of God gather, something special happens, and He galvanizes the mission. Thirdly, we're going to build on our Care and Connect system at the moment. We've been phoning and phoning and phoning and phoning and praying and and listening and ministering. We're going to continue to do that. Every single person in Hatfield will know that they are cared for and connected with. And lastly, our city projects. For the next 12 months or so, we are going to make sure that we have a rolling rhythm of a church of getting out there. Get out of the nest. We don't even have a nest, but that's fine. So we'll just get out of a, a temporary nest and get into the city. So if you're wondering what you're doing at 11, I'll tell you what you're doing. We're going out and serving the people of the city. We're going to build not on what's comfortable. We're going to build on what's critical. And we will trust God to see a church that for, for generations after none of us are here will still continue to bless the people of the city. The third thing, I see this church resolving to trust the spirit and not the season. 
to trust the Spirit and not the season. Read with me verse 23. Again, mark this. It says that they proposed two names. And then, so what did they do? They made a plan, guys. They said, draw the plans up. Get a whiteboard. Let's propose. Let's think. Let's use those squishy pink things in our brains that God has given us. But then what did they do? They took that plan in verse 24, and it says, and then they prayed. They went to God and they said, God, what? You know everyone's heart. God, you know our heart for Jesus. You know our heart for the people. You know our heart for for your calling. In our context, God, you know our heart for this church. You know our heart for the church of Pretoria, but you know our heart for this church. This church is called, guys, to make a difference in this city. God, you know that, so what? Show us. Show us which of these two you have chosen. So God, we are coming to you and saying we are planning and praying, so show us. We will boldly follow you where you go. Guys, this season of the early church could have led them many places. Can you imagine that? You are shaken to your core. You in this upper room somewhere like, holy moly, what just happened? Jesus and it's clouds and he's gone and it's death and it's, you know, it's Peter's gone. Now he's in again and this guy is stabbing us in the back and it's, he's speaking about the, you know, the Holy Spirit. What's that? And it's the ends of the earth. I've never even been to my grandparents, you know, in the state next to us. It's so many things. They could have said, the season is, is asking what of me. It's asking me just to hang back, just wait, just observe, just quit. But they said, no, we're not going to trust the season. We are going to trust the Spirit. So, yes, I know 2020. And, yes, I know 2021. That's why we said 2020-something. I don't even care. We are not going to look at the season to make the decision as to where we're going as a church. We are going to trust the Spirit. And I think it's beautiful. You see that they cast lots in this moment. Isn't that strange? That's an Old Testament practice to make key decisions. But you will note this is the very last time in the New Testament you'll see this. Why? Because Luke is going out of his way to say, from here on out, Holy Spirit, what you say, we do. Right after this, Pentecost, it's the Holy Spirit atom bomb that sends the church literally into the rest of the planet. And we will never cast lots again. We will say, Holy Spirit, where you lead, we trust you. And if it's into the firing line, yes, we go. And if it's into the comforts of a big building, then we do that. Amen. No one amen for that. Guys, when Shay and I uprooted our family to come here almost two years ago, do you know what incredible provision there was for us on a personal level, for schools, for where we're staying, small things, big things? God was in this from the beginning. <laughs> Even today, guys, I'm not over-spiritualizing this. I'm a Bible guy, and this to me feels like the Lord. Last week, I was preparing before I got the news, and we were supposed to do the ascension and this whole passage last Sunday. But halfway through my prep, I'm like, you know what? I don't think we should do it. Let's just stick with this first part. I'd already prepped so much that I'm not going to use today. Because this passage speaks about the church in trouble, having to trust God and go forward. And literally two days later after that recording on Friday, they say, your building is gone basically today. And I'm like, Lord Jesus, you in this. You know this. He is setting us up for a next season. Am I promising you comfort and convenience? Am I promising you a McDonald's and an escalator? No ways. But if you wanted that, I'm sure you would have exited long ago. Guys, we are trusting the Spirit. 
So this whole week, I can tell you, our staff and our core group has been praying and planning. We've been doing those two things. Praying and planning, saying, Holy Spirit, you know our hearts. So send us, we trust you. We trust you. And am I asking us to pray survival prayers? Oh, can we just survive as Hatfield? No ways. We're praying revival prayers. God, will you bring revival in this time in the city through us and every other church? This is the Scottish, you know, revival as John Knox saying, give me Scotland or I die. That was his prayer. Are we praying, God, just let us survive? Are we saying, give us Hatfield, give us Pretoria with your church or we die? That's what we're praying. We are praying and planning for that. And finally, I see a church that resolves to live from good news and not good advice. I love this. This passage lists the apostles. They like the, the core leadership of the early church, and they had this criteria. You can't just be an apostle. Um, you had to actually walk with Jesus in his ministry. You had to see him die and raise again, and you had to be personally commissioned by Jesus to go. Then you were one of the apostles. But here are the other two groups that blows my mind that they are mentioned in this passage. The other two are what the woman, from day one, women formed a crucial part of Jesus' ministry and went forward. Do you know who actually preached the book of Romans to the Romans? It was a woman. From the beginning, and this is in a culture where women meant nothing. You could not even testify in a court of law. That's how backwards it was still in the ancient Near East. And Jesus says, the women are with me. What? From the beginning, the church was already breaking down the barriers of the culture they found themselves in. That's our calling. And who else? The family of Jesus. Guys, just imagine this. Who's got brothers and sisters here? Anyone? Imagine that one day your brother says he is the Lord of the universe. I know your brother basically says that on a weekly basis, or he acts like it. But this guy meant it. They had known him for 30 years. And he says, I am the Jewish Messiah, come to be the true Israelites and bring the kingdom of God to earth. And he backs it up by being raised from the dead. A couple of months before his resurrection, John 7 verse 5 records, not even his brothers believed in him. Of course not. I wouldn't believe if it were my sister or brother. But what happened after the resurrection, something fundamentally changed in even his mother and his brother's hearts. This Jesus, I don't know how it works. Don't ask his mother the mechanics of your son being the God of the universe. But she lived as if it's true. Something so fundamentally transformed in their hearts. Guys, can I just tell you, this is what our hope is. Doxedo Hatfield is called to break down walls of separation in this city of Pretoria. Racial reconciliation is part of the very DNA of this church. And not seeing people take up a hobby, a nice time kill, doing some nice things on a Sunday and getting together in groups and eating food, but seeing people's lives fundamentally transformed and seeing our city transformed because of it. That is still our calling. That's not advice, that's news. Do you know who Jesus is and what he has done? So verse 22 says that one would become a witness of, with us, what, of his resurrection. It's not what we did. 
It's not the church and its cleverness and its ideas and its plans. It's His resurrection. Guys, we will walk out of this building today and we will hold on to the good news, not of Doxadeo, not of Alan Platt, not of Taiki or myself or a plan or anything. We will hold on to His resurrection. And once again, He will transform lives. He will bring reconciliation. He will mend marriages. He will bring people to a place of wholeness in Him. So I'm like way over my time, but let me finish up. Sorry, Mo. Let me finish up. The Population Reference Bureau estimate that in the history of our planet, 108 billion people have lived. Just think about that for a moment. A hundred, so at the moment, we've, we have about 7 billion people on the planet. But in the history of mankind, about 108 billion people have lived. And you know what every secular or whatever your background, a sociologist will say, what is the greatest force of influence in the history of mankind? Is it communism? Is it some political party? Is it an army? Is it a, is it a war? Is it a moment? It's this little thing called Christianity. There's never been a greater influence on 108 billion people than this movement. And just hear me as I close. What does it say in verse 15? In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers and sisters. The number of people who were together was what? About 120. 120. Can I take you back to February last year in this building on our launch day? Guys, we were more than 120 in this building. You'll remember it because we felt it on our bodies. Now, can you imagine the disciples sitting in a room of 120 or so people and thinking that billions of people would be touched by this message? That more schools and universities and charities would be started by this movement? That more people would be helped and aided, would be strengthened, consoled by this movement of 120 And I want to tell you, Jesus has never stopped doing what he's doing through his church. And he is not going to stop now. I don't know what God wants to do, the fullness of what he wants to do through Doxedo Hatfield. But I can tell you this. If we are willing to say, God, we are not in this for comfort or for convenience. But we are in this for real Christianity. Loving people knowing our God personally and making an impact in our world, that is real Christianity. So next Sunday, we are going to be at Doxedo Brooklyn's youth venue and we're going to say, Jesus, bring it on. Amen? Stand with me, please.